bit sassy Little bit crazy, little bit classy We got dreams and we got goals We're just a couple of old sassholes Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh You guys, Heather's home <laughs> Heather's back I'm back Hey, and welcome To a couple of sassholes, a podcast about true crime, conspiracies, random things, comedy, things. Things. All yes. the things. And I'm Brooklyn Maple. And I'm Heather Terry. And Heather Terry is back in Owensboro, Kentucky. Yes. From Austin. It was very fun for Kim's birthday, the surface of the sun. I'm never going. Kim's the surface of the sun? Kim. Austin's. Yes. Austin is the surface of the sun. Texas. <laughs> Yes. Austin, Ohio. <laughs> I mean, Salem, whatever, whoever. Oh, yeah, I met that lady and said I was going to Salem, and she's like, Oregon? Oh. No, no one ever means Oregon. No, <laughs> just like when I, whenever I moved to Miami, they were like, Ohio? There's a Miami, Ohio. I was like, fuck no. Oh, yeah, there's a college there. It right. shouldn't be. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how many people are running to it. <laughs> anyway, Texas was fun. Flights are hard right now. Recommendation, go early. <laughs> Two, like, three to your flights. Flight? Two or three to the airport. Two yeah. or three flights were canceled. I just wanted to go there and have a beer or a drink before we went on the flight. And then they were like, oh, your new flight got canceled. You have 20 minutes to get to the gate for your next one. That's wild. So they let us cut through the security line and some guy let us. Well, we got secured. Yeah. And then I couldn't get my ID out of my wallet. And then luckily I had my passport in my backpack. Are you looking at my nails? Because I broke them all when I was I filming. like that you are I like hate natural. It. Okay, so I broke all my nails. We went on a float trip. Um, for anyone that doesn't know Heather, let me paint a picture. Okay. Heather is, how old are you? Th- 36. And she gets <laughs> nails like a 19-year-old yeah. discotheque dancer in a cage mm-hmm. in They're Miami, always themed to what I'm doing. Which is apparently similar to a 19-year-old <laughs> who is an employee at a discotheque. What's in a, a discotheque, meanwhile? A disco. A, dis- a club. What? It's a club? A nightclub. A nightclub? A nightclub. A nightclub. A nightclub. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> A discotheque? Yeah. Um, That's what they call it in other countries. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, no, I don't have fake nails on. It's driving me nuts, though. Are you, like, running to get them put back on? No, I'm going to give them a breather. Good call. How long have they been on? Like three, I don't know. This set? Yeah. Oh, like two months. Oh, wow. Three months. You are hard with them. You're very hard on them. Well, I floated in that river in Texas. On a tube. Was was it acetone? Because there's no other it reason that it was drunk people fallen. pee because nobody got out for six hours. So and then I went to jump off and I fell under. So yeah, need to go gargle some penicillin because that grossed me out real bad. I don't think about it ever. You're always thinking about the pee. I'm never thinking about it. About the pee. About the pee. I mean, yeah. I'm always thinking about the D though. <laughs> <laughs> You missed me. I did. Okay, so we we recorded this already, and then yeah. the mic was fucked up. So here we are back at it to where I can <laughs> say I'm having the best day of my life because I went to the Davies County Library. I didn't know if there was more words to that. Public. Public library. And it was delightful. Yes. And they have things. And what things you, do they have? They have books. And they what? Have, I know. And DVDs, which, whatever. And audiobooks. And... It's pretty, and there's little places to, like... It does look pretty. Oh, it's so awesome. Have you been in there? No. I'm taking you. 
We're going to go with a pumpkin, a pumpkin spice <laughs> latte, a hoodie, some leggings, and some kicks. And we are going to scurry our little asses all over that library. And I'm excited. I think it's cute how you say it because you kind of almost say library every time. Yeah. It's, it's easier. <laughs> it's easier to say it that way. But it was amazing. Like that sweet lady that did the announcements at school in high school, and she would say, Heather, Heather Weiniger, please report to the library. Like every mm-hmm. time. I think about Why'd her. you have to report to the library so much? I don't know. Just I know where it was. Yeah. <laughs> <No. laughs> You're like, she doesn't know where to go. She's lost all the time. <laughs> really, it meant the principal's office, but whatever. Um, anyway. <laughs> so while Heather was partying in Austin, Texas, I was in, where was I? Edinburgh. Yeah, but I think it was, I don't want is it Columbia, Indiana? Is that a name? Sister, I don't know. I don't know. Clara Land is the um, campground, but it w- that's where the Tough Mudder was at. And so Nick, who I cursed for the Roanoke story, um, and his girlfriend, Courtney, who is adorable. She looked cute. Oh, my God. She's so cute. And her personality is cute, which just makes her even more cute. You know, you just want to pack her up and take her home. Um, and my boo bear, Travi Patty. We all went and we ran a um, six-mile course with no. like and it was 21 or 23 obstacles i am sliced and diced from all of it <laughs> oh my god it was so much fun it was it was fun to get dirty it was fun to challenge yourself the photos came out awesome i don't like if if you're a physical person out there you should go and do a tough mother there's so much fun all the uh proceeds and all the money that comes into it goes to the wounded warrior project, see i didn't know so. what it was for i mean I just, the wounded warrior part so i figured um, it was for some charity yeah um the tough mother was originally created once again to support the wounded warrior project but it was based on it was supposed to help help people like get through their fears and go through like basic training style obstacles oh, yeah that's cool um there's definitely one that was unbelievably high on a like a rope mesh thing, and you know I'm afraid of heights. And Travis was Travis had to help me get. I mean, it was terrifying. And through the whole thing, I was like trying not to throw up or oh, like God. cry or scream to like have someone come get me. I'm not even lying to you. It was oh. so fucking terrifying. And I didn't even care. Like the, there were all these people around me, and I just kept being like, just one one step at a time, one step at a time. And I mean, it took forever. I was terrified. And Travis was like, "Don't rush, go slow." And I did it, of course. And but it was terrifying. And I didn't, I didn't proud care of for. I didn't care for how terrifying that was. I will say that because it's it's one of those that if you fall, you're gonna die. It just is what it is. You oh, know? yeah, it was that high. But people have died on it. People have drowned. Um, things have happened. What? Yeah. Whenever I did, I did a 12 mile one in Miami. And I looked up how many people had died back then. It was like 18. Oh. And so, like, people unfortunately died. Which that's why you signed waivers. I said no. Yeah, that's why. Because I would have. Mm-hmm. It's also people, too, like, aren't great swimmers. And they're swimming. Like, you got to. No, mine would be something dumb. I would trip and fall in the mud and get smothered and covered or something. Like Smothered it, and covered. Yeah. That makes me hungry. <laughs> we, we always like talk about being hungry on here. We, it sounds like we're going yeah. on a hungry strike. I know. A hungry strike. A hungry strike. <laughs> we're going to go strike and hungry. <laughs> <laughs> it's because we're never fucking nourished before we do this stuff. We're, always, we're bebopping. We're busy. We're busy. Oh, I fell gals. off the wagon and had frozen pizza for lunch, so I'm full. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, our drink. I guess we should open that. Yeah. I'm so You're glad. You're going to have to open mine. I'm sorry that I did that. That was so loud. That, Why? I don't have nails either. Sis. These are these are freshly ripped off nails. You're right. They're like, like fucking pieces of piece paper. Of, 
Is that what you were going to say? Yes. You just looked so annoyed with me for saying that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so these are White Claws, White Claw refreshers. These are refreshers. the refreshers, and these are my new fave. Really? Yes. Because they are lim- lemonade. So I have lemonade, blood orange with a hint of black raspberry. But they're the same. They're like the same as regular White Claw, like one carb, 100 calories. Yeah. And they're delightful. They taste like summer. What do you have, blood orange? I have black cherry. That's my fave. This is very delightful. I'm also very chilly in here. I do have it. always cold. I don't know. I don't know. I'm glad that I get this off. It's going to be the cave. Well, the colors you're choosing, probably. No, I'm kidding. That is, these are tasty little (laughs) treats, guys. These are good. Yeah, I am lit. I'm not. (laughs) I'm not at all. But I am cold. These are. (laughs) We look around to see if there's anything to cuddle cuddle myself up. (laughs) To cuddle myself (laughs) I would just like to be swaddled. There I said. Always. I know. Oh, my God. I know. (laughs) Big spoon, little spoon, just spoon. (laughs) I just want to be spooned. I don't care how. Just spooned away. What? Mm. I don't know. Are you ready? Are you ready to go? I have nothing else to ramble on about. Okay. Um, um, Yeah. Okay. Uh, Okay. So it was a one-woman show because I was out of town. Which felt weird because I felt like false panic. Oh, I have like panic right now because we record in like four more days and I just finished this today and I'm like, fucking A. I got to redo it. I got to do it again. So I'm like, this is very fun. It's a fun journey. I get to edit this tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. You get to (laughs) sprint through too. Well, I have to do, obviously, we all, we both have to do the shit that we have to do to make this podcast happen. (laughs) So once more, like, listen, subscribe. (laughs) We could use it. Yeah. Okay, so I am going to uh, talk to you about... <laughs> Sorry, I named him again. Herb the Perv. What? <laughs> you named it again? Yeah. I name him every time. No, I got to start. Okay. So this is uh, Herb, and I'm going to struggle because I keep wanting to say herb and not herb. How do you... So herb is like spices. Yes. So and herb is a perv. A per- yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to struggle like crazy. Call him herb. I can't wait. Although I'm going to do it. You know it's going to happen. I'm so happy. I'm going to be like, basil. (laughs) No. Which is an herb. I I know. (laughs) (laughs) God. I doesn't doesn't cook. God. uh, I need a nap. Yes. (laughs) I've slept for like 20 minutes today total. I've just been like in a daze. I believe it. Yes. Okay. So, Herb Bomeister, he is also the I-70 killer or the I-70 strangler. <gasps> I didn't yeah. know who this is. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So, it, I got this from Talk Murder to Me, um, which was awesome. And That's I really cute. liked that. I thought that was super cute. Uh, so, pen. supporting Talk Murder to Me. Is that a podcast? Uh, no, it's a, it's a, what's, what's not a, it's a blog. That was a, sh- fuck. What's sh- not a podcast? What's not a podcast for 200. <laughs> Nerd, I've missed your face. I have missed your face, too. Okay. Uh, Wikipedia and then also Murderpedia. Okay. So this one is wild for a few reasons. First, it occurred in Westfield, Indiana, sort of, like also Indianapolis and Ohio, and there were mannequins involved. Uh, You know, I don't. I I know. And I originally picked it because of the mannequins and then sprinted (laughs) since I realized that it was in our backyard, too. So, uh, kind of, yeah. I love that I picked out. a shoe fetish guy for you, and you picked something I'm scared of. Yeah. <laughs> well, just because I like shoes doesn't mean I want my foot cut off and in someone's freezer, showcasing it. I think you'd probably like that. 
like in your afterlife if you're reincarnated and we're like oh that's my hoof that's a cute shoe yeah but i don't know if it was always a cute shoe <laughs> i mean i don't know if it was always a cute shoe and i'd be really pissed like way worse if they threw my foot in an ugly shoe i'd be pissed Fucking! All of a sudden, everything starts falling off the walls. Yeah, crosses just, get flipped upside down. We're like, uh oh, she don't like them pumps. Yeah, she don't like them, Jerry. <laughs> Fucker. Switch anyway, them out. Let's get this party started because I have twelve pages and I'm gonna try not, not to slam my hand down. I know I've looked at you every single time you've done it. Like, I know. Can you, you stop? You. Yeah, I can't help. I don't scold you. I just my eyes must. <laughs> they you. do. I believe it. <laughs> and told us a library one time. Now you're a librarian. Oh my god! I wish. Anyway, so Harp the Perf, and I said this is the name I gave him and probably everyone in his middle school class, uh, was the oldest of four kids, and he was born on April 7th, 1947, and he was produced by Herbert E. and Elizabeth Bowmeister. His dad was an anesthesiologist, and Elizabeth was a homemaker, obviously, because it was in the 40s. (laughs) Um, It looks like he had a hella normal childhood until he hit adolescence. So his behavior became super bizarre and erratic, essentially... um, it never changes from that point. Like, he becomes a teenager and he becomes fucking weird. So he's obsessed with death and decay. He would pick up dead animals and birds. He would take them to school and leave them on his teacher's desk. No. So he was a fucking cat. He was a fucking cat. Like a motherfucking cat. Did, out of nowhere, he's just like, look at that bird. Oh. Give me that duck. Here, Mrs. Smith. Right. Here's a mouse. Here's a Happy mouse. Tuesday. Guess what else he does? What? Also weird cat-like no. thing. What? He pissed on his teacher's desk. No, 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 no. Was it, wait, was it like. Bro legit stop? pissed on one of his teacher's desks. And you wrote No bro. bullshit. You're so cute. I did. Okay, bro. so was it like no he stood on it and peed down? Yeah. Or did he stand on the ground and pee up? I don't know. They didn't give me that. I need. I don't even know why he did that. There's no nothing around it. Well, I don't know. But so, I'm I sorry. Wonder if it was Do you like want to email his wife? A manimal and he just peed down? Okay. In my yeah, head, penises, he they can go anywhere. And it, <laughs> they can be flinging all around. <laughs> Don't tee me up for uh, a joke. I didn't like mean it like penises I, could go anywhere. <laughs> when it comes to the urination uh-huh. station. <laughs> the urination station. <laughs> Just saying. So, <laughs> hang on. I, you're not going to step on that joke. I need a minute to marinate over here in this of you just being like, diction, go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, they can. I don't know. They, they can spell their names in snow. Yeah, you can too now. It's a thing. You can too. With, with my shiwi. With my it, no, it's really not. I mean, I guess maybe if I really got got. I'll balling. ask you again in a year. We'll check back. When I practiced. Okay. (laughs) So his teachers do reach out to his parents who also think their child is a wackadoo. And so they have him, uh, psychiatrically evaluated. I struggle. And I swear I'm smart. Did they read to you at the library? Okay. Okay, You're hurtful. I'm kidding. You You know what? I bet that I could volunteer and read books to kids. (sighs) Mental note. Okay. He's diagnosed with schizophrenia and multiple personality disorders. Oh. And despite, like, how severe that is, he mm-hmm. is not treated for it. Oh, when was now, this? Keep, the 50s? Yeah. But keep in mind that treatment for schizophrenia during the 1960s was primitive and mainly consisted of electro 
convulsive therapy or ECT. Um, and of course, you already know that's a controversial treatment and it's not really to cure the patients. The whole concept here is that it will make them more docile and less likely to lash out. So if it was your son, you'd probably just hope to keep your eyes on them and hope they don't become a fucking sociopath yeah. and not fry their brains with electroshock therapy. So I guess cross your fingers, hope for the best. Folds paper and microphone. Okay. <laughs> so, anywho, he managed to get good grades. Um, they say everywhere throughout that he had a great work, th- work ethic and that he knew how to work hard. Probably because he just peed on the desk if they gave him a B. Oh, my God. I can't. It gets better. Okay. So he gets into IU, um, but only goes for one semester before dropping out. His dad pushes him to go back, so he does. Once more, he makes it one more semester. What a douchebag. So um, he apparently has no idea what the price of tuition is because it... That's expensive. what I was thinking. Yeah. So um, here is Julie. I'm just going to show a photo. This bitch, we have a lot to unpack with her. Is that him? That's him. We'll give it our photos, too, because he looks... Like this he's is about Google to time for says. everyone listening. This is Google, Google time. Herb and Julie Bomeister. Okay. So he meets this chick, Juliana, Julie Sater, a high school teacher and part-time student at IU. They hit it off. They both have similar, similar values and goals. They're both politically conservative. So and not to being conservative. It's to politics in general. Yeah. Um, they were both members of the Young Republicans at IU, so they were real cool. I mean, party monsters. They were both interested in cars, which is interesting, I guess. And they both wanted to run their uh, business one day, which makes sense because she was a fucking teacher. That makes no sense to me. You're like, I want to be an entrepreneur, so I'm going to be a teacher? I don't know how those are supposed to hold hands, but whatever. Naturally, they get (laughs) married in November of 1971. All right. I don't know how those hold hands. I don't don't get it. I don't get it. I'm going to pour my drink. And it'll smell. Keep going. You're going to what to it? Pour it. Ah. Just killing the planet with your big old cups. Well, I can reuse it. You can, but are you? All right. So he continues to suffer uh, with mental illness. Julie is loyal, and she is by his side through his darkest times. Now, just six months after they're married, his father does have him committed to a mental institution. There's no information as to did something happen, why, no clue. They're just like, he's there. I just, I hear that he is committed to a mental institution. Okay. Now, I don't know if it was like one specific incident or what, but either way, Julie uh, wasn't really phased, and she waited the two months for her hubby bear to come home. I would presume it's because it's the 60s. <laughs> and Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I would totally stand by Travi Patty, unless it was now, like I woke up like, and he choked me like out. Early on. It feels very early. Yeah. Six, I mean, yeah, but I don't think that ma- they're married. It's not that. I mean, they're married. Um, So his job prospects are like shit because he never finished college or went to a trade school. So, of course, his dad is a well-respected man. I like how this also said like a doctor. And I'm like, he's an anesthesiologist. I'm pretty sure doctors would punch that statement in the face. Like, "Mm, no, (laughs) you're not a doctor. I'm going to make that into a text message tone and it's going to come up when you text me. Just that high pitched. (laughs) <laughs> Sounds like you're letting the air off a balloon real slow. Really? Uh-huh. Cool. <laughs> so anyway, Daddy, Daddy, D- <laughs> gets him a job at the <laughs> Indianapolis Star as a copy boy. So driven and hardworking once more, he threw himself wholeheartedly into copying the paper, 
<laughs> bringing it? it to people. It was a copy boy. Oh. I can only assume that meant that he made copies. That I don't good. know. Um, it wasn't long, however, before he got on all of his coworkers' nerves. He was overbearing and irritating. He put dead ready for this. He nerves. required constant praise for the from the higher up. So when he didn't get it, he became bitter and moody, fed up. He quit and found a new job at the Bureau of Motor Vehicles. <laughs> How fucking money? What? I'm like, what? Like, I can't get over this part. Like, he needed constant praise, and so he went to the BMV. Yeah. I don't think you get any praise there. No. No, not Maybe a slap on the ass by, like, your male coworker, but that's about it. <laughs> Somebody puts a cigarette out in your forearm there. I don't fucking know. <laughs> any hooser, no. Hard pass. So he eventually becomes a program director. Mind-boggling, but I have seen asshole people get promoted all the time and run departments they shouldn't. So who knows? It obviously happened in the 60s and pew continues pew. on today. <laughs> Shots fired. Pew, pew. Um, so he wasn't well-liked by his coworkers. Um, he was known to be unpredictable and volatile. His coworkers literally avoided him the best they could. They said he was like an oddball who made them uncomfortable. And he had unexpected outbursts over really small and significant things. Dated a few of those, right? So <laughs> in 85, he was... Are you ready? Nope. What? Buckle up. Okay. In 85, uh-huh. he was fired. For? For urinating on a letter. On um, what? He was urinating. He urinated on a letter addressed to the governor of Indiana at the time, which was Robert Orr. I don't what? fucking get it. I don't know. Was he, was he R. Kelly on everything? <laughs> Literally. Fuck like, R. Kelly. Uh, I hope he gets fucked in his ass. Oh, you know. You know he will. He's holding pockets all over the place. Yeah. And he said, my mind's telling me no. But my body... <laughs> Just kidding. I don't think we can even do. No, we have to pay him money. So we're just saying a song. Oh, I was just saying my body. <laughs> <laughs> and penises can go anywhere. Jeez. <laughs> All right. So after. <laughs> shit's bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Okay. Okay. You wrote what the fuck. I can see it on your paper. <laughs> I like, once more, what the fuck? So after being fired, he's arrested several times. Okay. Once for his involvement in a hit-and-run accident while drinking and driving. Dumb. In 86, he was charged with stealing his friend's car. Somehow, he does not serve any time in prison and doesn't get any charges. Why? Because he's a white man? Is he white? Of yeah. course he's white. His name's Herb. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> so... I don't know if his wife knows why he got fired or if she's just a fucking weirdo, but she ends up having babies with him. Ooh. Three children, Mary in 79, Eric in 81, and Emily in 84. So he can't really find a job. Are you ready for this? He becomes a stay-at-home dad, and Julie goes back to teaching. Wild. Now, apparently, he's a really awesome dad, and he takes to it, and the family loves him. And huh. whatever. Hi. Right. So his next job, he eventually gets employed at a thrift store. And this one, he really takes to it, and he decides that he's going to learn the trade. So three years later, in 88, um, Herb and Julie made the leap into entrepreneurship. They borrowed $4,000 from his mom, and they opened their own thrift store, and they named it Save-A-Lot. Not the grocery store. I know. It may, yeah. It's a thrift store. So it's like, anyway, I'll get to it. The store ends up being a hit. Which is amazing. And it was so successful that they opened a second location the following year. They were able to, like, give donations to children's charities for, like, $50,000. Like, they're fucking loaded. So they achieved everything they wanted. They celebrate by purchasing Fox Hollow Farm, which is this little butte. Okay. Well, <laughs> no, I'm excited. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, and the house is fucking beautiful. Let me see a picture. I've never seen that. Google time. 
Oh. Yeah. It's really, I mean, it's really pretty when you look up, when you look it up. And so this is a million dollar home. It's perfect. Julie describes it as a utopia. The kids are able to like rollerblade without having to worry about the cars coming around the corner. The house is 11,000 square foot. It's a, a Tudor style building. It has 18 acres. I mean, gorgeous. It's located in Westfield, Indiana. So that's 20 miles north of Indianapolis. So they have privacy, but they're still not too far from the city. And that's the guy. One of the better photos. That's him? Yeah. He looks like a herb. He looks He looks like he is going to ask for my fucking W-2s. <laughs> for sure. So the Bowmeister is... Like he has aggressive sweat, sweat glands. And his like, shirts are always sweaty, like pit stains. Really? Like. I wouldn't even have thought that. Yeah, just look. I, yeah. Yeah, like he just, gets nervous. There's like, girls work here. And his pitch just instantly God. sweat. You know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So everything's awesome until everything's not. Brum, brum, brum. Um, that was his mugshot, by the way. That was? Yeah, 1986, yeah. <laughs> Looks like it's um, lawyer ID card. Right? <laughs> yeah. It does. So, though everything looks great, Herb is super difficult to work with. No. I know. I'll and so I can't he, get over the pee thing. He, I thought you said you have to go pee. I was like, I guess pause it. <laughs> so, uh, he ends up treating Julie as though she's an employee and not a co-owner. And so it annoys her, but she decides to lay low in an effort to avoid fighting with her husband. Um, Of course, their marriage ends up suffering. And during the summer, Julie starts taking the kids to stay with Herb's mother at her condo in Lake Wawasee. I think I said that right. What is it? Wawasee. Wawasee. It's like a a little kid found a puddle. Wawasee. (laughs) No. Yeah. What is Wawa? Water. Oh, gross. Ugh, kids are annoying. All right. You say <laughs> So Herb was happy to stay at home and look after the stores, okay, that he told he tells Julie. Really, all of this is bullshit. Okay. Um, and according to the employees at the Save-A-Lot stores, he became careless and neglectful. Most of the time, he doesn't even show up to work. And whenever he was, he was a complete fucking asshole. And so all the employees quit. The stores, become like, start to deteriorate and, like, business plummeted and literally shit's getting serious. So oddly enough, when his life is falling apart, he is paying extra attention to their pool house. So he made sure to always keep the bar fully stocked. Here's the kicker. He liked to position dressed up mannequins around the swimming pool to create the illusion of a fancy pool pool party. No. Stop it. So the pool house was inside. Like the pool was inside of that. Oh, that you can smell that photo. Oh, are yeah. those the mannequins? Those the mannequins. Yeah. No, you're not. Let me see. Those are the mannequins. But those weren't dressed. I don't know why they were naked bears. That is my worst nightmare. Just put a box of spiders in there, and I would jump out a window. That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. I hate that. Yeah. Where did he get? Okay. I'm not gonna ask any questions. He he worked. He owned a thrift store where they so sold he just brought them all home. Clothing. They're like, I wish I, I could know. put this T-shirt on a mannequin, but they're all gone. They're all at herbs, herbs, <laughs> partying at Basil's pool. <laughs> okay. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so Ju- while the Julie and the kids are away, um, he begins frequent frequenting gay bars in downtown Indianapolis. So there isn't information on how long he had been doing it, and supposedly no one knows why, but it's super John Wayne Gacy. Oh. A hidden fucking gay in denial. Yeah. So you you already know. I mean, I'm from Indiana, and so it's cons- it's a conservative state. It still is. And in his mind, it was likely his own. No, okay, pause. Let me not say that murdering gay men was his only option. Hiding his true self was likely his only option because of. That probably fueled his fire. Yeah. Like, especially if he saw people living their 
truth and he couldn't quote unquote live his. Yeah. So very, that's a beautiful viewpoint. I mean, sad, but yeah. yeah. So of course he had his beard by marrying Julie and having all the kids and projecting the self image of a family man and a Republican and no one knew who he was. So <laughs> look at in capital letter, letter letters. Fuck me, man. Hold on tight, Becky. <laughs> Name of the episode. Julie would later say that in their 25 years of marriage, they only had sex six times. What? In <laughs> my throat? That physically makes me ill. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get it. I totally get it. That was I awesome. Don't you. I What? So number one, he was getting... Oh, it gets better. So hold on. Um, behind, and they had three kids, so three yeah. of them were to knock so, her up. Yeah. So behind the bedroom door, there was a little... Um, there. Mannequin. There was little p- p- fucking a. Anyway, mm-hmm. she admits that she and Herb had engaged her, her <laughs> had engaged in sex only six times in the twenty five years, as like a detective ends up saying later. And according to that, she never saw her husband nude. So he would get dressed in the bathroom, and when it came time to go to bed, he would always put on pajamas, slipping between the sheets. And he said that he was ashamed of his skinny body. Me too. Said me. Me never. too. I'm never I'm ashamed. so ashamed of my skinny body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't look at me. Don't look at me. I'm too frail. <laughs> right? That's weird. Yep. So like, I don't know how anyone could go 25 years. Okay. Did she so cheat that, on him? So, pause. She did not cheat on him. She will stand by him way further than she should have. What a lie. She, uh, right? No. 25 years, six times. My and so you know she didn't orgasm. There's no There's no way. way. There's, There's no, no way. way. So anyway, something dark was going on in Indianapolis. Bum, bum, bum. Did you write that? I don't know. I can't tell you if I copy and paste it or throw <laughs> stole that from someone else or what. <laughs> so starting around 1991, the same year, Herb and his family moved to Fox Hollow Farm Young gay men began disappearing in downtown Indianapolis. The men ranged um, from 20 to 46. They were all white and had similar physical features. So in 94, Virgil Vandegrift, I'm going to show you a photo of him, a retired Marion County sheriff who ran his own private investigation firm in Indy, became involved in investigating the disappearances of the young men. So he was contracted by uh, the mother of Alan Broussard, who was 28, who left a gay bar and was last seen, and she reported him missing in early June of 94. Days later, the mother of Roger Goodlett, 32, contacted Vandegriff as well, and he was last seen under the exact same circumstances in July of 94, so the next month. Yeah. So he threw himself into the investigation of the two missing men, spending his evenings at the um, gay bars trying to understand, interviewing patrons. He soon found out that it was only, it wasn't just those two people and that there were closer to a dozen men that were missing. I don't know. So it became clear that these disappearances were the work of a meticulous serial killer and not a random one-off killing. He went to the police and they were like, mm, sorry. Oh, no. Was it because they were gay? Because they were gay. Um, They said that it's probably because they just ran off to practice their gay lifestyles. What? Yeah. So they they didn't take it seriously. Okay. Around the same time, this other guy. Wait. I guess I... Damn it. I'll have to jump to... I'm going to come back to how another guy went to the police, too, and they're basically like, let us know the next time you see him. 
kind of deal. No fucking bullshit. And that guy becomes super huge in it. They don't even give you his real name. They call him Tony. But anyway, so around the same time that the young men go missing, Herb's son, Eric, uh, who has to be spelled E-R-I-C-H, with, which makes me want to say Eckridge, like the sausages, um, he was 13 at the time. <laughs> he was playing. <laughs> I don't know why my mind just went to Melissa Eckridge. It made me think of Little Smokies. No, no, but that's not her name. I don't know who that is. It's just St. Melissa Etheridge, singer. Oh. Come to my window. No. No. Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. You land some and you don't. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So uh, he was playing in the woods on their property and he finds a human skull. He picks it up, brings it into the house to show his mom. Julie is justifiably freaked out. But then she asks Eric to take her to where he had found it. On further inspection, she finds a fucking pile of bones. What? A human skeleton. What? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> she demands answers from Herb. Don't. The story that he... Okay. Oh, are you ready? Hold on. No. It gets better. Okay. I'm he waiting. told her that the skeleton was an old an- anatomical skeleton used by his late father, who was a doctor. Once more, doctor or anesthesiologist. We can all fight the fucking tomato, tomato, or tomato sassafras. Not the same. She takes him at his word and just is like, okay. She believes him? She's a fucking twat. Well, I mean. That's my thoughts on Julie. I'll give you more reasons why she's a fucking twat. If that was my sex life, I'd be a twat too. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, that's a real skeleton. I'm going to call the cops so you can get arrested. I can get your money and I can start banging people and getting some O's. Is what I, cheery fucking O's. So anyway, here's Virgil, Vandegrift. Cheery O's. Uh, Doesn't he look like an actor? Virgil Vandegrift. He's an investigator. He is the reason yeah. anything happens. Good. Yeah. I mean, he's also being paid, but anyway. Yeah, but like so, so the other people. As he's beginning know. to lose hope, here's what happens. He, A man who went by Tony Harris, that's not his real name, surfaced with his own story. So Tony had been friends with Roger Goodlett, which is one of the men who had disappeared. One evening while hanging out at a gay bar... He had been to several times before he met a man who introduced himself as Brian Smart. The two spent much of the night chatting and drinking together. Smart asked Tony if he would like to come back to his employer's home where he was supposedly living while doing construction work, and Tony obliged. So Smart led him uh, to a car with an Ohio license plate. They drove north, and it was hard for Tony to tell where they were going. It was dark, he was drunk, and he had spent too much time, uh, he hadn't spent much time north of Indy. So they arrive about 30 minutes later at a large, stately Tudor-style home. Smart led Tony to the pool house. The place struck Tony as weird. He noted the mannequins around the pool and immediately felt uncomfortable. Why? I thought you... <laughs> <laughs> you believed me. I did. You just sounded so believable. No. Mm-hmm. But if you... Ver- no. And, like, this house is kind of secluded, you know? I would have gotten muck-ducked right then because I would have I mean, it's the night... I mean, I don't know. Especially if you're drunk. <laughs> I don't, right. So he then asked Tony if he wants, um, okay, so he's like, hey, do you want a drink? And he's like, no. <laughs> but <laughs> look. At, but then he ends up saying yes to this request. So he then asked Tony if he had ever engaged in erotic asphyxiation before and if he would like to try it. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's where you choke someone. His wife doesn't know what that is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> where you choke someone and try to climax in the, in asphyxiation face anyway so <laughs> smart was hyped up as though um he had been snorting cocaine which is super cool for the nose candy and um and he doesn't want to anger him because he's so fucking weird and so he's like yeah let's try it so with a hose 
Tony choked Smart while Smart masturbated. Okay. Then the two swap positions and did it again. So Tony could feel the hose getting tighter and tighter with no sign of stopping. And so he realized that Smart was going to kill him. And so he pretends to pass out. And he loosens it. And Tony opens his eyes. And Smart is, like, physically shocked. You can see it. And he had literally thought he'd kill Tony. So he clearly wanted to get rid of his guest. And so the two get back in Smart's car. He drives him back to the Indy. And he tries to, like, mask his strange behavior. He suggests that the two should meet up again the following week. Tony agreed. But when the time came, Smart never showed up. I don't know why the fuck Tony went. But I think we'll figure out a little bit more there. So Vandegrift, which is the, in, the investigator, was convinced that Smart was responsible for the disappearances of the young men that he was inv- investigating. So for nearly a year, Vandegrift and Tony tried to track him down, and they had no luck. So they were going to all the gay bars in Indy trying to find the guy because they I mean, had somebody. Car sells from. I mean, fuck yeah, I, I would, would do that. that. I'd be like, I don't know where he's at. I'm like, eats, eats, I want a penis eats, colossus. Eats, eats. Right? What? <laughs> I said I want a penis colossus. <laughs> what is that? It's not a drink. It's a. It's from Well Grace. Oh, I was like, is it a penis sex? colossus? Is it a sex? Is it a sex thing? Is it a sex? <laughs> is it a sex thing? <laughs> yeah, you take a pineapple. No. Oh. <laughs> <Ooh>. Weird. <laughs> brum, brum, brum. Okay. All right. So at the end of August '95, Tony ran into Smart. At a gay bar downtown. And so he ran outside, found the car that he had rode in with Smart the previous year, and wrote down the license plate number. Mm. When they traced the license plate, it didn't turn up Brian Smart as the owner. It was Herb Bowmeister. So in November of 95, detectives showed up at Fox Hollow Farm asking if they could search the property. Herb the... (laughs) Refused. And so they then (laughs) tried Julie at the Save-A-Lot store. So they go to work and they're like, bitch. Let us look at your property. And she's like, no. She said no? Why? She said no. Because she's stupid. Um, she's when she stupid. asked Herb about it, he told her he had nothing to do with what they were accusing him of. She she was like, okay. So Detective Mary Wilson, uh, she specialized in missing person cases and was a good friend of Vandegriff, had been heavily involved in the case up until that point. She had liaisoned with Tony Harris previously, trying to help him find out um, where he had gone the night that Herb had taken him. And so now she needed to get a warrant to search the farm. The Hamilton County officials refused her request, however. And they said that the evidence simply is flimsy and that she would need more justification for her request. That's dumb. Yeah. Um, so they let it lie. They just they're couldn't just do like, Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So then in June of 96, Julie, his wife, appeared at her office. And Julie told the detective um, about how her husband, Herb, was basically having a nervous breakdown. Their business was in ruins, and she was filing for divorce. The image that her son had found, that skeleton, never left her, and that was for two years that she had known about that. So anyway, she told the detective about it. She granted Detective Wilson permission to search her home. Uh, While Herb was away, uh, Detective Wilson and three other Hamilton County officers arrived at Fox Hollow Farm to carry out the long-awaited search. It didn't take long for them to realize something was wrong. On closer inspection of the gravel uh, that was alongside the grass in the backyard, they realized that it wasn't gravel. It was charred, crushed-up bone. What? So forensics confirmed that it was all humans. So they have, imagine having so much gravel in your yard and it's crushed-up human bones. And your kid's just playing on it. Mm-hmm. So, in the following days, the site is excavated. Over 5,000 bone fragments and teeth were recovered from the site. They believe that it belonged to a total of 11 men. However, only eight were eventually identified. That's so sad. 
Yeah. They were Roger Goodlett, 34, Stephen Hale, 26, Richard Hamilton, 20, Manuel Resendez, 31, Mike Kern, 46, Johnny Bayer, 20, Alan Broussard, 28, and Jeff Jones, 31. Herb Bowmeister's victims are right here, and they are all handsome, gorgeous little creatures of sweetness. That's sad. And they were young, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they put out a warrant for his arrest. Once he realized what was going on, he fled to his mother's home, which he had, he was staying with her while they were searching the place anyway. Um, and he went to Canada. Ugh. Yeah. So then on July 3rd. Oh, I was like, that's not it, right? Yeah. And <laughs> we're done. Like, you're like, and he went to Canada. No, because like, no. this is the shitty part. So okay. on July 3rd of 96, a group of hikers discovered his fucking body because he killed himself. No. At the at the Pinery, Prevent, some fucking park in Ontario. It's a very pretty park. I looked it up. He had had a single bullet wound to his forehead. Next to him lie his uh, magnum revolver. So a suicide note was recovered at the scene. In the note, Herb cited his failed business, the impending bankruptcy, and the upcoming divorce for his reasons for taking his life. He did not mention anything about the remains of all the men discovered in his backyard. So as they continue to go through his secret life, they found even more. So between 1980 and 1990, the bodies of nine young gay men had been discovered dumped along Interstate 70 between Indianapolis and Columbus, Ohio. They had uh, similar characteristics in terms of age and looks to the men whose remains were discovered in his yard. They'd all been strangled to death. His wife mentioned that he had traveled that path to work constantly during that time frame. Up until 98, the unsolved unsolved murders had been attributed to a serial killer dubbed the I-70 Strangler. Strangler, in February of 98, a witness came forward who had seen a photo of Bomeister and recognized him as a man who had been seen with one of his other friends that was leaving a club, and he was found off of I-70. So in 91, the body stopped turning along I-70, and that's exactly when they moved to Fox Hollow Farm. So basically, that new home provided all the space he needed to discard his victim's remains. So while he was traveling, he was killing people along the highway. So he already had that life and then hid the rest of the bodies after he moved to the farm. So when he killed himself, any hope of justice for the young men and their families died along with him. Uh, While sentencing him, they really had intended on having him um, spend the rest of his life in prison. But obviously that wouldn't bring back their sons, brothers, and friends back. So... Unfortunately, he never got to suffer the consequences of his actions. And that is horrifically the story of Herb the Perv. Herb the Perv. That was, that was a lot. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was a lot of those poor boys. Yeah. I think it's unbelievable that, okay, so we've talked about the ability to kill strangers. Like, that's the... I mean, privately, probably not on the podcast. But, like, the only way that you can be a serial killer is to kill people who are have no connection to you. The fact that it corresponded so well, like, that he was dumping bodies mm-hmm. on I-70 for years prior. We don't even talk about the people that he killed that were found on I-70. Yeah. These are just the 11 bodies that were found on his property, That's not including so all of the men. Yeah. So he probably killed over 20 people. And then killed himself and never even... Where's his wife and his kid? His kids. Kids. He had three kids. Three. Oh, yeah. Six times. He was uh, batting 500, though, on the knocking her up between the sheets thing. I yeah. Guess. Nasty son of a bitch. Yeah. Well, I'm glad he was skinny. <laughs> <laughs> I just. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's wild. 
Wow, good job. Thanks. That was a good one. I mean, I wish I had a better ending. Yeah. I don't know what what you want. At least he's dead and he's not on this earth anymore. And, you know, he. I don't know. I don't know. There's shows about it. I didn't have time to see it, but you know how you know how we roll. We pick pick someone, and then we have like 48 hours to hurry up and do all the research. <laughs> Very well, that rare good, that though. I know it before. Job. Thank you. Crushed it. Thanks for carrying the weight while I was boot scooting my way through Texas. Well, my shoulders are stronger now from it. <laughs> but he really does piss me off. This guy pissed me off so. Bad. Yeah, he sucks. Yeah. Sucked. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I have. I know. And then the, the next, what are we doing next week? What's next So week? I think next week, uh, which is really this week of us hurrying up and fucking getting our lives together to uh-huh. research it. I think we wildcard it. Yeah. So like murder wildcard or is it like just wildcard wildcard? I don't know. What are you thinking? What if we just did wildcard and see what if we both pick the same story? That would be so unlikely. It took me a lot to find this because I didn't have, essentially today was a wild card. So I was like, what are. <laughs> well, you know, I hate mannequins, so. Yeah, but imagine I didn't Google murders with mannequins. I mean, I. Googled, I had to look up 40. I looked up shoe fetish for you. Well, <laughs> I bet a lot popped up there. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, shoe fetish murders. I think I have an idea of what I might do. Okay. Well, I have none. I will figure it out and then bring the hate. <laughs> yeah, you bring that heat. I will bring the heat. Fuck yeah. Um, I'm really excited, though. Yeah, I mean, it's weird to have just a whole, like a whole, like anything, to literally do a story on anything. I think that's over. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. Right. I think one would one would be really cool. I want to do um, definitely, like, people who have survived, like, out in the outdoors for a long amount of time, like outdoor survivors. I don't think that's going to be the one that I'm going to do. Per se. You know what we still have to do is fi- is fucking do that post on the crazy photo shoot because we said we were going to wait until the fall. Like the whole reason we haven't posted it. I did half the work on it was yeah. because we didn't want to do it in the summer because it's too fucking hot. Uh-huh. But we're going to have to book a photographer. So we got to make shit happen. Yeah. Which we we're going to do JC anyway. Yeah, we need to do that. For any of your photography needs, JC English. <laughs> you know, it's broken techie. So yeah, that's, that's I'm done. <laughs> and I really yeah. have to be. You do? I do. That's weird. I know. It's only been... Had five sips. I know. Okay. We'll wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Rate, review, subscribe. Anywhere that you can get your podcasts. We are everywhere. We really Follow are. Follow us, people. Please. We, you know, you can say it to... Alexa. Ooh, can you? Yeah. You just say, say play, Alexa, play, play a couple of sassholes. I know. I've done it, I think, once. You did? Yeah. I'm very obsessed with us. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> All right. Well, y'all we love you guys. Yes. Tell your mom to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> and she likes true crime. Or not. I mean, just listen. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> I gotta pee. Theodore, can I put that go?